Uh, this morning, we are going to continue on what we did last week. Um, and anybody know what we talked about last week? <laughs> we don't know, but it was good. All right. <laughs> Offense. We're going to continue going down that road a little bit today. Are we cool with that? I guess that was a kind of a hypothetical question. Yes, is the, the only answer. Well, uh, before we get going on this, let's, I want you to turn in your Bibles. You can go to Second um, Corinthians 5. I don't have that on the screen. But I want to, again, just remind you, and I, a couple of weeks ago, when we had our impact conference, we really sensed the Lord this was going to be a threshold conference. And what do I mean by that is that we were about to cross from one area into another, not only individually. And I know there's a lot of individuals that say, hey, that was that was a stepping stone for me to kind of go into my next depth or my next level with God. Uh, but I believe also us as a corporate body, that was just an ordained time that the Lord brought. And he did some remarkable things. I know I came with an open heart to say, Lord, I'm expecting some things inside of me, just some revelation, knowledge, some wisdom for what you've called us to do as a family and Lord he just continues to download that and so again that's what we want to get our expectation of especially in this threshold we're kind of in this transition period as a church just keep your expectations up because we have a big God now and we talked about this a little bit last week but what we're the reason for this threshold is because God has entrusted to you and I the ability to influence more people in central Alberta. And I just think it's amazing that God doesn't just call one or two people to this. He gives a vision, yeah, but then he calls a family to come alongside and let's go after this together. And that's what you and I are a part of. We are in this together. So you could high five your neighbor this morning and say the Lord has entrusted us, you and I, to reach and influence more people for his kingdom. And now we've said many times, these high fives are awkward all over. They're just like, look at each other's elbow and they follow through. <laughs> the good news is that is there's some things that we receive because, again, we trust God. But then there's some gifts or some callings, some um, opportunities that arise and come our way because God entrusts us. I think that's marvelous. Again, we talk about the faithfulness of God. Great your faithfulness, God. And I'm so thankful that he's faithful. But church, I don't want to just end that relationship there, have a one-way stream. I want him to look at me and say, hey, there's a faithful guy there I can use and I can work through uh, to bring out my kingdom in this earth. I'm so glad that he's called us to that. Anybody else excited about that? Man that looks at you, and he says, the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking to show himself strong on those who are behalf, who have a loyal heart or a faithful heart towards him. Hey, he stopped in Red Deer and went, I found some people. There they are. They look amazing in Red Deer, Alberta. Come on now. And what's been so beautiful is you don't have to try to push or make something happen. Because unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. And you and I are not laboring in vain. We are seeing the fruit of this because God is building his church. He's doing it. And we're just simply saying, yes, sir. Is, there all, is everything in that needs to be in? No, but we just take the step of faith. This he said yes. So now we say yes and we continue to go forward. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, you have it in your Bibles there. But I want to just remind you now, again, the, the whole purpose and the, the call that we have is to really be door openers, not bouncers at this door. Because he's entrusted us with a message. He's entrusted us with this ministry of reconciling others to God. 
Another way that we saw it in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29, it says that we are to open the way for others to experience the faithfulness and the goodness of God. This is, I mean, just think about it. What's on the other side of you and I saying yes to the ability and the promise of God? What is the, what's the result of you and I saying yes to being the door openers? Yes to carrying this message? Yes to reconciling a lost, broken, hurt, corrupt world to a loving father who's able to change hell and bring it to who he is? By saying yes to these types of things, God makes ways and he says, those are something I can use. He takes impossible situations. I mean, we've heard some crazy stories of people just broken and lost and hurt and all of a sudden they come and encounter the goodness of God. You would not recognize them today. Night and day difference. So you and I, by saying yes, we are saying yes to a people that are need and are desperately looking for an answer and they're not finding it in religion. They're not finding in the social, you know, the things that are out there to help, you know, kind of cope with some of these things. Jesus didn't come to help us cope. He helped us to live an overcoming, victorious life. And that's what you and I are messengers of. Cool. Now, along with this honor, along with this eternity, man, we, you and I get to be involved in people's eternity. There's also a heads up to this. There's also a, hey, because you're opening these doors, don't just think it's going to just get handed out. Don't just think that the enemy is going to sit back and go, yes, another door opener. More people that will just love God and also want to reach people, want to see people impacted for Jesus. I love that. Devil's not going to do that. He hates advancement because, again, when the kingdom of God or the church is advancing in this area, what happens to his kingdom? It retreats. It has to lose ground. And so that's what you and I are a part of is we are taking ground, literally. We are taking ground and spiritually we are taking ground. And what's the result of his kingdom? It dwindles further back. So now because this is happening, you and I have to be on our guard to watch out what the enemy will try to do. Because if he can't stop, I mean, listen, I mean, if he wants to derail the whole thing, he wants to derail the plan of God on your life. He wants to derail any type of church moving forward. And if he can't just derail it, he will try to slow it down. And this is what 2 Corinthians 2.11 says. It says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And again, I want to just read you a couple other translations in this. The Living Bible says, For we know what he is trying to do. The message paraphrase says, We are not oblivious to his sly, cunning ways. So the answer that, or the question we have to ask ourselves is, What is he trying to do? What is he interested in doing? And I kind of already answered that, but he would love to derail. Now, are we aware of how he's going to derail? or actually slow down the process, or just kind of you know, slow you down? Are we aware of that? Are you aware of that? Of his ways, of his sly, cunning ways? Well, today we're going to take the time to talk about that. What we did a couple of weeks ago is Ephesians chapter 4, but this is, again, the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul writing and pleading with the church. I mean, listen, this church went through in, in Ephesus, they went through so much persecution. This was the largest church in that region, right? Modern day Turkey today. And now the Holy Spirit is pouring out. I mean, I want you to see these words. 
uh, with, especially in the Greek, like there's not exclamation points and stuff in the Greek, but man, if you could see the punctuation and the heart behind what the spirit of God is trying to get across, it's just saying with tender humility and quiet patience, always say with me, always, the always literally means always, no matter what the time is, no matter the season, no matter who's doing what demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another. And then he has to go a little bit further and he says, especially to your neighbor, especially those who may try your patience. So what is he telling the church that you're going to be ticked off in church? This is the heads up. It's going to come. You're going to be annoyed. You're going to be frustrated. You're not going to necessarily agree with something. You are going to be frustrated. So he says, just a heads up on that. Then verse three. So he says, be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in bonds of peace. So what's the bottom line? The whole purpose of this is, well, I want my opinion heard. That's not necessarily it. What's more important is this bond of peace. And what is unity? What is it all about? Unity is not just, oh, we sat in a room together, so we're united. That's not it either. Unity has got to be geared around a truth around a vision about what God has said and we is moving forward. Yeah. I don't want to sit, I mean the Bible says numerous times it's better to actually live in a shack with a, with a bowl of salad and a happy spouse than to live in a palace with a cranky, nasty spouse and a steak. It's better. So I don't want to live in a mansion with all these steaks, I mean steaks lying around, these cows running around and having big barbecues all the time and I got a cranky spouse. Anybody else? Instead, <laughs> I'd rather live in the attic and have my kale salad. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> All right. Now, the result of this unity is what you see in uh, Psalm chapter, Psalm 133, and verses 1 and 3. It says it like this Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And verse 3, it says, It is like the dew of the loft, lofty Mount Hermon and the dew that comes from the hills of Zion. For there, where's the there? Where there is the brethren who dwell together. It's there that the Lord has commanded his blessing and life forevermore. So where is the blessing of God? It's there. Where there's unity, where there's a togetherness, where people have fought and guarded for the unity. Ah, yeah. oh, this is why well, I think about this. But I'm willing to lay aside my thought, my whatever, for the sake of a higher purpose and go, I see what God is doing and I want to hook up with this. Yeah. That's all that I'm doing in my life. I'm just simply going, personal preferences? Okay, well, Lord, what's your higher thought? I'm going to latch hold to that and I'm going to pull it into my life. I agree with you, God. And uh, guess what happens? Your desires and your motives change after. Okay, moving right along. Now, how do we guard the sweet unity of the Spirit? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I want to just read this to us. Sometimes guarding the unity means that I have to let go of some of the hurts that have come my way. That's part of it. Anybody ever been hurt before? Physically speaking, you scraped your knees. I mean, maybe people have said nasty things to you. We've all experienced hurts before, right? So I want you to see what the Hebrew writer says here. He says, as for us, talking about Christians, believers now, 
And in, in, in context, you've read all of Hebrews chapter 11, you find out all these heroes of faith and what they did because of their faith in God. Now he says, as for us, we have all these great witnesses. Now what are these witnesses doing? Some of you got family members that are these witnesses now. They encircle us like clouds, so we must let go. Say with me, let go of every wound that has pierced us. And notice what else he says, and the sin we so easily fall into. Then, everybody say with me, then. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has been already marked out before us. So it is not good, nor is it right, to run a marathon wounded. You can't do it. It'd be like me calling Pastor Julian up here again and saying, okay, Pastor Julian, let's go for a run, but I'm going to be on your back. (laughs) Don't question his strength. He is a strong man. Don't question my weight. I'm a lot skinnier than you might think. (laughs) But how hard would that be for him to run around this room with me launched onto his back? He could do it, no problem. Should we? Maybe not, all right. (laughs) But notice he says, the hurts and the sin slow us down. He puts the two together. Some people just say, oh, sin, sin, sin. Yes, absolutely. Sin will slow it down. But just as much as sin does, so do the hurts. If I don't allow them to heal properly, they will slow me down from running the race. So what I want to encourage you and I this morning in is, is there some wounds that we've held on to that are actually slowing us down? And don't just think it's me individually. Yes, that's true. But also us as a body. What's slowing us down? Are you hurt? Is there somebody on the other side of the room that you go, I got something again. That that person did this to me. We've got to learn to how to let this stuff go so that we can keep running. Because if one person is slow, it hurts all of us. Okay, now let me get into this a little bit. Uh, Luke chapter 17. And again, just to preface this a little bit, it's not that we want to belittle things that have been done or words that have been said. Because listen, there is legitimate hurt, right? There's people who think they have been hurt and just simply have discerned the whole thing improperly. And there are those who have actually been hurt. And what I'm talking about is those who have actually been hurt, not those who think they've been hurt. There's a major difference, okay? People that have actually been hurt, and do you have the right to be hurt? Absolutely you do. But if you want to walk with God, do you want to continue to hold on to that? No, you can't. You can't afford it. God won't allow you. (laughs) We're going to talk about this. All right, I wish you could see what I'm looking at this morning. It's, it's, It's beautiful, but I don't know. Some of these things, this is some of the hardest truth that you and I will ever actually hear. Amen. Now, what are we saying with this? Again, what has been done to you or said to you, we're not to belittle or to downplay it, but we don't want it to become our identity or the constant stumbling block that I can't get involved, I can't do, I'm not doing this anymore because I've been hurt. It's not going to work. You have way too big of a call on your life. You bring so much more to the table than what you actually realize. And there are people who are actually needing what you got, what God deposited in you to come out so that they can be impacted for Jesus. They need that. So we've got to learn to let some of this stuff go for the purpose of continuing to be those door openers that say, come on in. It's hard to open the door when all you're doing is just, you're, 
You're kind of hanging onto the door like this. Come on in, it's fun, kind of, but people are me. People aren't going to be attracted to that. So y'all don't want to walk through that door. So we want to be able to showcase what's on the inside, that we're not fake, we're actually legit. We love people, we love God. Yes, I've been hurt. Let's just put up our hands, we've been hurt. We've been hurt. But the good news is, is we have a God who is interested in the healing power and you don't identify with those hurts. That's not who you are. The things that they said against you, that's not who you is. You is who God says you are. All right. Now, Luke 17, 1 says this. He said to his disciples, I don't think it's on the screen yet. It is impossible... Say with me, impossible that no offenses should come. Again, a Greek scholar said it like this. It is unthinkable that you would ever allow yourself to dream that you could live this life without an opportunity to become offended. Now, offense is the Greek word scandalon, where we get our English word scandal. Scandal. So what is an offense? It's a scandal. Now, there's a picture that you probably saw on the screen there. If you guys don't mind moving that verse out of the way. But I want you to grasp this powerful picture here for a second. And let me just read to you uh, what they said about, you know, in in the Greek culture, what a scandalon is. So the word scandalon originally described the small piece of wood that was used to keep the door, or in this case, this rock, open and above for a animal to get trapped in. A piece of food was placed inside the trap to lure the animal inside. And when the animal entered the trap and bumped the scandalon or the small piece of wood, the scandalon collapsed, causing the trap door to slam shut and the animal to be caught inside with no way of escape. So right here, just a simple picture. In this case, the scandalon is designed to kill right off the bat. But this is what the design is. As soon as an animal would come in here, you know, knock this little stick. Sorry, it's a little grainy. Knock that stick off. That rock, that weight is supposed to come and crush that animal. Now, what Jesus just laid out for us um, is that offense is the trap. Offense is the scandal on. It's this little stick right here. Do we see that? It's the enemy uses to lock up and to torment Believers, okay? So, if you think about this for a minute, they are literally in a trap. The moment that someone reaches out and just takes that offense, slaps that stick out of the way, they are immediately in a trap. And I I don't have time just to give you all the scriptures for this, but it reveals also that how the enemy starts to torment those that are inside this trap. How does he torment? What does he do? He keeps bringing to mind and getting you to stew over all the things that were said, all the things that were done, all the things that should have been done. I mean, think about it in your own personal life. Have you ever all of a sudden just started dwelling on how did that happen? How could this be? How could they say that to me? How, how, how? And you start replaying the vision. You start thinking over and over and over again, going, could this have gone differently? Could I have said this? Could have happened like this? I mean, it plays over and over and over in your head till 10 years later, you still have people who are still ticked off and still trying to replay and think the whole situation over and over and over again. Do you know what they're in? They're in a trap. 
and the enemy is just prodding. Just put a little stick every once in a while. All of a sudden, while oh, they're asleep, I'll wake them up and I'll just prod them a little bit. And you wake up and guess what's on your mind? That situation, that instance, that problem, that word that came against you. I Trust me, I've had way too many sleepless nights in a cage for over these last little while. All of a sudden I wake up and boom, there it is in my thinking again. And it's the enemy. Not, and again, it's so subtle. I didn't realize. I'm waking up and I'm going, man, now I'm sleepless. I'm irritated. I'm frustrated. And my offense, this is for later, but my offense is not just affecting my sleep. It's affecting everybody else that's living in my home. It's affecting everybody else that I come in contact with because I am offended. It's hurting a lot of people. My offense. And I just keep allowing them just to keep jabbing in there. Every once in a while, I'll be having a great day. I'll be enjoying something. And guess what? Another that thought came. And guess what? I could be having a great time watching something, enjoying, you know, just doing some outdoor activities with my kids. And all of a sudden, there it is again. Now, if that wound, if I don't allow the wound of what somebody says to me, If I don't allow that to be healed properly, it can lead to this offense. Because Jesus said the wounds, the opportunity for offense will always be there. So it's not just, oh Lord, I just pray that I never get offended. I just pray that everybody around me will always be amazing and I'll never have any problems in Jesus' name. I declare that you are good people. You are nice people. You are kind to me. You say loving. That doesn't work that way. Why? Because I can't control what you think or what you say. But what I can control is if I'm going to bump this stick or not. That's my responsibility if I'm going to bump this stick. (laughs) All right. So don't bump the stick. Touch your neighbor. Say, don't bump the stick. Now, here's the dangerous part about bumping the stick and now being trapped inside of this Satan's snare. I want you to look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I just want you to see here. I'll just say it by this, but the other thing about being offended is that you actually end up doing errands for the enemy and you may not even be conscious of it. No, I'm a Christian. Yeah, you are a Christian. You die, you will go to heaven. Your spirit is sealed. But if you are in that trap, allowing the enemy to continually jab and you don't allow the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, the spirit of God to heal, to allow that healing to take place for whatever happened, you actually become an en- or, uh, the enemy's errand doer. I'll show you this. You're like, oh, that doesn't sound scriptural. I'll just give you a scripture for it then. <laughs> for in verse 24, it says, A true servant of our Lord Jesus will not be argumentative. There goes my whole Facebook ministry right there. A true servant of the Lord Jesus will not be argumentative. Say it, I will not be argumentative. (laughs) Oh man, some people like that. I personally don't. Anybody enjoy a good argument once in a while? Good tussle, good fight. No? Okay. That's good to hear. You are in a good place. So what is a servant of the Lord Jesus supposed to be? To be gentle towards all and skilled in helping others see the truth. What's our job as door openers, especially in these last days? 
We think arguing with a, with a really a corrupt, messed up world is how you win them. No. That's just going to spew on more fire. Argumentative does not work. Anybody ever tried that before? Oh man, I've argued with a couple of my buddies before and that did not go over well. It just got them mad and then eventually offense came, and it came out of it. But what am I supposed to be instead? Skilled. See with me, skilled. This is what we're doing this morning. Iron sharpening iron. We're supposed to get skilled in helping others see truth. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a way to be a door opener and it's not that you're manipulating people, but there's a way that you can reach out and grab hold of somebody's heart and help them get in there. All of a sudden they go, how did I get in here? Hey, here you are. There's a skill to this. Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to teach you how to reach people for my kingdom. Listen, if we look at that, there's, there's souls out there that are looking to be reaped. Then the next part of this is having great Patience. Say it. Great patience. Toward who? <laughs> the immature. Yo, this just gets better from here. All right, verse 25. Then he says, with meekness, you'll be able to carefully enlighten those who argue with you so that they can see God's gracious gift of repentance and be brought to the truth. Okay, verse 26. This will cause them to rediscover themselves and escape from the of Satan who caught them in his scandalon, his trap. Now notice what are they doing inside their trap? So that they would carry out his purposes. So what is this saying is that those that have taken the bait or knocked that stick over and ensnared by this trap, they've actually genuinely been wounded. But if they don't allow that wound, allow the spirit of God to heal that wound on the inside of them, the Bible tells us that they are actually caught in Satan's snare and they're carrying out his purposes. I mean, anybody ever thought good, well-meaning people that you knew so well? How could they say this about me? How could they do that to me? How on earth? Well, here's your answer. They took a bait of offense somewhere. It's not your job to figure out where it is. But what happened is they took the bait. They got snared in the trap. And now they're there to start gossip. To start the slander. To start speaking ill will behind your back. To start actually trying to make you stumble. They have this thought, I'm, if I could just get even with them. That's how you know you're offended. Lord, just bring vengeance on this situation. You're offended. Lord, if I could just, oh, give me five minutes. You're offended. Right? Right? Any of those types of things. So what is the result is you and I, that's why it's so crucial for you and I to stay in this state of not being argumentative, but being gentle because listen, a lot of times the people that you and I may deal with are people who are actually stuck in a snare and they don't know how to get out. So by you just argumentative and just coming after and just yelling and just ah, la la la, you're actually going to keep them in there longer and then you yourself might end up in one. So my job is to... Keep cool, Joseph. Keep cool. And don't allow it to get on the inside. 
Now, the next question I want to just throw at us is, who is it that causes the most hurt? Who is it? I don't just think of the name. (laughs) But it's those that are closest to you that can cause the most potential hurt. Why is that? Let's just use this stage as an example. Uh, Our expectation of the world is how high? It's probably ground zero. Correct? Do you, I mean, do you have expectations of those that don't know Jesus? Do you have expectations on you that they treat you a certain way? No. So they're ground zero. So what happens if they give you this much? We go, man, that's amazing. Thank you for that. But now, so that's our expectation here of, of the world. But now our expectation of those that are Christians that are in the church that I go to. My expectation is here. So now when they only do this much, my frustration with them is from here to here. I'm not thankful for what they did. I'm frustrated that they didn't come all the way up here. Now, let's talk about the body of Christ. Then all of a sudden, now we got family. Boom. My children, my spouse, supposed to be doing this. My parents, my grandparents, my sisters, my brothers, they're supposed to be doing this. And they only give us this much. Guess what my frustration level is? It doesn't say I'm thankful. I'm frustrated for whatever this gap is, I'm frustrated in. Then, you got pastors. Pow. Pastors are supposed to do this, 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 this. And pastors, guess what? We do about this. So what's the frustration gap from here to there? And then we got our spouses. It's at the roof. And that's why we got divorce rate like nobody else's business is because our spouse comes up short. And we expected, we expected here, we got this. So my frustration level is from the ceiling to about an inch off the floor here and I'm going, what's wrong with this woman? Nothing. Your expectation is out of whack. You're expecting so much and that's the breeding, the breeding ground for offense. Anybody ever been offended at their spouse before? Guess whose fault it was? <laughs> it's me. But any time in a relationship that my thankfulness is not higher than my expectation, that's where frustration resides. I can't allow that in my own life. But I want you to look at this verse in Psalm 55, and we'll see if the Lord brings us this down this way. Because if King David to me is a a Bible hero in my, I want to hear his stories. I actually want to see how he killed Goliath. I want to watch that story. But he has got quite the life of the opportunity to get offended from a very young age, all the way till he took the throne. I mean, you see it. I mean, uh, David didn't choose to go under King Saul. God put David under King Saul, under that leadership, to test to see, is he, am I going to get another Saul, or am I going to get a man after my own heart? Why was David called a man after my own heart? Oh, it's because he sang songs. No, not at all. Do you know what made David a man after God's heart? Is actually, I don't have this on scripture's time, but David would say regularly that I do not want to get vengeance, O God. Vengeance is yours. It belongs to you. Whoever hurt me, Lord, you will take care of it. That's what made David a man after God's heart because he wasn't trying to get even. And we got a world today that is looking just to get even. If I could just, oh man, I would sock it to him. That's not what a man of God is like. Woman of God, that's not who you are. So these are David's words. I want you again, just answering the question, who are those that we could get offended by? He says, it wasn't an enemy who taunted me. If it was my enemy filled with pride and hatred, then I could have endured it. 
Right? It wasn't somebody out there who just talked nasty, said the things about me. I, I've seen those things before. And what is that? I just kind of go, nah, whatever. No big deal. Um, verse 13. But he goes on to say, it was you, my intimate friend, one like me, a one like a brother to me. It was you, my advisor, the companion I walked and worked with. Verse 14, we once had sweet fellowship with each other. We worshiped in unity as one, celebrating together with God's people. He's the one that hurt me. He's the one that offended me. So David had to learn how to drop that and let God take control of that situation on his behalf. I know you're just mulling this over. So the question we're asking now is how do I get out of offense? Or how do I get out of this trap? Anybody being tempted to push the stick at the moment? The opportunities are always going to be there. So what do I do? I believe number one is this, is that we have to come before the Lord. When a hurt comes, I have to come before the Lord with an open heart. A question that you can ask yourself, because this offense not just affects, again, me and the individual, or me and the group, not just me and my family, but more importantly, Lord, it affects my relationship with you. And I'll never forget, there's a book that I read about Smith Wigglesworth, and he would stop and he would ask the Lord regularly these two questions throughout his day. 10 to 50 minutes, he said, I would, because somebody asked him, hey, Smith, how many, how many hours a day do you pray that you carry out all these miraculous things? And he says, oh, I don't pray all day. But I don't go 10 or 15 minutes without asking the Lord these two questions, and I just give him praise in the midst of it. It's number one is this, Lord, is there anything you want me to do? Number two, Lord, is there anything that is blocking intimacy with you at this moment in my life? He would just ask himself that question regularly. So a question you can ask yourself is say, Lord, is there anything between you and I that is causing space between us? Because what? I want that closed off quick. There's no offense out here that could ever shake me to the point of going, Lord, I don't really care about our relationship right now because I'm so ticked off at this person. To me, that is not worth it. I would rather have intimacy maintained, intimacy with my king, intimacy with my healer, the source of my life, my joy, my peace, than try to get even or try to win back or I'm going to force this relationship to work again. I want this first. Once this is okay, then we can work on this. So part of that is just going before the Lord and saying, Lord, this hurts. As simple as that. Say with me, this hurts. What they said hurts. What they did, it hurt. And this took me a while to get to this point because I was too, again, prideful to admit that I had got hurt. I got offended in a situation. And the result of that going, Lord, why does it seem that some things are off between us? Why does there seem to be some of this distance when it comes to church? No problem. But all of a sudden, my personal, life, Lord, I, it feels like it's requiring more effort on me to try to get something from you. What's missing? Finally, Lord, am I offended? Yes. Oh. Like sometimes we don't even realize that. We just kind of go, okay, well, I guess, you know, Lord, well, whatever is going on, we'll just start a new day tomorrow. If that offense is brewing and festering, it's going to continually be quiet. And it's not God just going, well, you're offended? Hmm, so am I. That's not how God is at all. But he's going, that's not how I work. I died for that individual that you got quarrels with. 
He loves that person just as much as he loves you. So what is it? I want to make sure my relationship with him is okay. Now, the problem with offense is that um, it lacks perspective. Offense gets you so focused on the, the incident, what happened, what was said, and all you do is you zero in, you zero in, you zero in, and you are so blinded by anything else, and it keeps you just tuned into this point. You are your perspective is stuck. And everything about, I mean, our life is all about perspective, is it not? Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 6, if your eye is dark, then your whole body is dark. But if your eye is filled with light, your life is filled with light. So perspective is huge. Can we agree on that? For example, if you have a one-day perspective and you show up at a wedding reception and there's the dessert table, if you have a one-day perspective, what are you going to do? Eat. Let's go feast. But if you have a three month perspective, what are you going to do? I'm not going to, I maybe have one, maybe none. Cause I don't want the tummy ache for one. I don't want the 10 pounds in three weeks from now. And I actually just want to be generally healthy in three months from today. It's all about the perspective An offended person has no perspective. It is so dialed in to the one incident and guess who's on their mind. Me, you did this to me. I felt this, you did that. And again, why is so crucial that we take the time to talk about this? Because in our day and age where there is so much distraction, what we can do is just, you know, throw a TV in front of our face and kind of mellow out and forget all this thing to go away only to resurface in the middle of the night. We have to stop because your emotion perspective drives emotions. If my emotions are out of whack, I need to go, what's going on? It's like the dash in your car. All of a sudden, those lights start bing, 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 bing. Ah, just throw some duct tape on. As long as I got the speedometer in the gas tank, I should be good. You are headed for disaster. So with the Lord, it's in the presence of God where things start to make sense again. Anybody ever talked to an offended person before? They're irrational. Nothing makes sense. Why? Because they're in the snare and they're carrying out errands for the enemy. God is not the author of confusion. The enemy is. But when I'm taking the trap or taking the bait and I've entrapped myself in this thing, guess what my life's going to be? Confused. You thinking the problem is actually this way. It actually may be this way. Now that's a whole other message. But again, we're not talking about me. We're going to talk about you today. Now, Humility is the only way forward. Can you say that with me? Humility is the only way forward. Pride is a grace blocker. Pride blocks all kinds of grace. And what do we need grace for in this situation with a hurt or an offended heart? Is I need healing. I need forgiveness. I need restoration in my own heart and in my own soul. So what do I need? Starts with a G. Grace. I need grace. I cannot get out of the trap on my own. I knock myself into it. I did that on my own. But now that I'm in it, I can't lift the trap back up. I need grace to help me get out of that trap so I can start living free and enjoying life again. To think, well, I'll just, you know, uh, just Lord, everything's good. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I'm not offended. I'm not offended. You are stuck in a trap. And guess what's keeping you there? Pride. No, I'm good. Yeah, you know, they said that to me, but yeah, you know, I I shake it off, no big deal. Meanwhile, you're crying at nighttime. 
Don't know what to do with yourself during the daytime because your closest friend left. What do you do? God, I need help. I need healing in this situation. Are we doing okay? Okay. James 4, 6. It says, he gives grace generously. He gives what? Grace generously. As the scriptures say, God, what does he do to the proud? He opposes or he has to stand at a distance. He has to put you at a distance. Why? Because what is pride? At the, bottom, at the very root of all of it, it is, I can do this on my own. It's self-reliance. And once you're in a trap, you can't get out on your own merit. I'm going to work hard to get out of it. It's not possible. I'm going to say sorry. I'm going to make get even with him. Then we're good. You are still stuck in that trap. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, when I come to him with a humble heart, a heart that is willing to yield to his ways, he now has access to heal, to restore, and to set me free from the snare or the trap of the enemy. Listen, when that trap lifts off, it's like I can see again. Oh, man, why would I get caught that again? It's like, ding, 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 ding. No, don't do that. Don't do that. It's a night and day difference. I don't know if anybody has been offended, got out of it before. Yeah, I'm raising my hand. And what a night and day difference going, oh, man, I was so consumed about that. Are you kidding me? How pathetic that was. But meanwhile, when you're in the trap, it's all about this. It's all about this. I can't believe, I can't believe. And it comes out in every conversation and it's just really nasty. It's not who you are. Okay. Now, I want to just bring this practically. I mean, a lot of this is all practical. But if someone wrongs you, what do I do? Anybody ever been wrong before again? Are you sitting beside somebody who wronged you? Maybe. Let's look at what the Bible says about if somebody has wronged me, what do I do? Okay? Matthew chapter 18. And I know that sometimes it's so easy to go, oh, just forgive them. Yeah, but there's still some things that need to be figured out. I mean, people sometimes are jerks. Straight out. And so what do you need to do? I'll just let them be jerk. No, we need to talk this through. So part of this, I know what I'm learning even in my own personality, in my own insecurities, is actually learn how to be in a healthy place, confront what was done wrong. Is anybody like confrontation? Okay, good, you shouldn't. Because nobody likes to do it, but at the same time, it is part of the healing process, not just for you, but for the other individual. So you can't just go, well, I'm not going to do any of that. You're going to live stuck. And this is still a growth area for me, and I'm working on this to this day. So if somebody wrongs you, Jesus said this, if a fellow believer sins against you, you must. Say with me, you must. Go to that one privately. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. Go and start talking about it with everybody. He didn't say that. He said, go to the one that hurt or offended you. Do you know why? Because what happens, I mean, I'll just use this as, a, as an example. In a marriage, per se, if Jamie and I were ever into an argument, which we rarely do, we have heated discussions. If we ever got into a heated discussion and I went to my mom, and I said, mom, 
this is what's happened. This is what I say. This is what the wife says. Do you see this? And she hurt me. She said this. She did that. And I go and tell my mama that. What's going to happen to my mama? There's going to be something on the inside. Secondhand offense is one thing. But now there's going to be certain eyes towards Jamie going, hmm, why would you say that about my son? My son's perfect. (laughs) How could anybody not like my son? It's impossible to think. I know you're all thinking the same way. Now what happens is uh, when we get home, Jamie and I, we make up. It's all better. There's forgiveness there. We are all good. Guess who's not good? My mama. She ain't good. And now she's going to be carrying this thing on the inside of her going, I can't believe she said that. Can't believe she did that. And that is actually going to put a dent in the relationship between Jamie and my mom. And actually, really, the three of us, and I'm the middle guy going, I'm just the nice guy in the middle. (laughs) That's how nasty and dirty is because secondhand offense is just as dangerous as the initial offense. Because what I just did is I pulled my mom into the trap with me, and guess what I did? I slapped the stick for the both of us, and I went, can you believe that? And she'll say, no, I can't. And I say, really, what's wrong with her? And she said, yeah, totally, man. And we'll just be in our little cage together and we'll be going back and forth and I'll be lifting up the... Anybody else want to come in and hear what she said and did? And I'm just inviting people and inviting people and that's... We think that's far-fetched. That's how it begins and that's why you have a lot of church splits. That's why you have people that just actually leave in general because they're offended. But if you is offended, the Bible said, Jesus said... Say with me, Jesus said... You must go to the one privately and attempt to resolve the matter. Resolve it. Meaning what? Have discussion about it. Share openly what that did to you. Hey, this really hurt. Oh, I I didn't realize that. And a lot of times, if he responds, your relationship is restored. Well done. Now, secondly, but it doesn't always happen that way. Verse 16, if his heart is close to you, then go to him again with two others with you. And what do you do? You'll be feeling the scripture that says every word may be verified by the testimony of two or three witnesses. What are you doing with those three people is you are resolving the issue saying, hey, we just need some wise counsel in this situation. I'm going to just pull in right here. Uh, Pastor Julian, could you just come in and sit this with me, this situation? I went the first time. It didn't work out, didn't plan out well. So would you come with me this next time? Because I want to make sure I'm seeing this right. You're kind of the mediator between the two groups because he's kind of a third party. Can you see that? And you have the dialogue. You have the discussion. What the Bible doesn't say is you gain up and beat up on that guy. I wish it did, but it didn't. And now we are dialogue, we're talking this thing through, and we're coming to a conclusion on this. And if, he, if his heart turns towards you, your relationship is restored. But if that doesn't work, verse 17, isn't God so good? He is just laying it out for us. Here, this is what you can do. And if he refuses to listen, then share the issue with the entire church doesn't just mean you start gabbing. It means talk really to church leadership. If he still refuses to respond, disregarding the fellowship of his church family, you must disregard him as though he were an outsider of the same level as an unrepented sinner. So what are you doing? You have to be out of my life. 
We're done here. There's nothing else I can do. So what's my role is to do diligence is I have to do these three steps. Don't just, just say, oh, I can't, I'm going to just start going against this guy. Do the three steps and it's done. If it didn't work, then you have to cast that relationship as someone who doesn't know the Lord. I love you, but it's going to be at a very long arm's distance. This is my boundary. You can't, no, you can't talk to my wife that way. It's done. No, you cannot talk to my children. No, it, the relationship is cut off because you haven't restored the relationship. And there's been times I'm so thankful. I, what I'm so thankful for in this is that I have parents who have had multiple opportunities to take offense, but they didn't. And do you know what the result is? I have siblings, including myself, that do not have an offense built up, that we have these walls built up, up and all of a sudden certain mindsets that are here. I'm so thankful, especially when in the church. Now, I want to just read this verse to you in Leviticus. This is what God says. <clears throat> now, talking about, you know, we read last week in um, Acts 24 that the Apostle Paul said, I have a clear conscience before God and all men. Now, going off of that, this is what, going with God's ways. There, there's no simple way. My mama always said it like this to me, is that always stay on God's side. Because right away in the church, we like to pick sides. Well, what did they say? Well, who did that? You know what? It doesn't matter. There are no sides. There's God's word, period. I need to stick with what the truth of the matter is. I'm not about to take sides for anybody. I can't do that. I won't. Well, did you hear what's so? Yeah, there, there are times, and don't get me wrong, there are times where, hey, maybe it's a real abusive situation. I'm going to protect this flock. I'm going to protect this lady who's under our care or this man who's under our care. Yeah, he, I, we got his back, and that's enough. You don't actually don't have access in the premises anymore. That's legit. That comes to a very severe case, though. Okay, but this is what God says to the Israelis. He says, do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Period. Do we need more than that? Is it pretty clear? Just don't do it. Why? Because again, we are guarding the unity. So if you have something against somebody, what do you do? Talk to that person. If that don't work, what do I do? I get two other people to come with me and say, hey, I need help resolving this. And this is the situation. And then hear the other side of the story. Perfect. Beautiful. If that don't work... You come and you get some spiritual authority that now can decipher and start speaking into that situation. Is that clear? Yeah. yeah. So this is what God's saying. Go to verse 17. Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. <laughs> Period. Okay. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. Period. Verse 18. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing because it's like, this is so black and white. I don't know where we missed it. <laughs> Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against your fellow Canadian. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're offended at Justin Trudeau. We don't even know the man. Christians are offended left, right, and center at politics. It's nuts. Am I saying that, well, the, well, the, the wrongness. I'm not, that's not to say that, that what's going on is corrupt. Or, I get all of that. But I'm going to get offended by him? Are you kidding me? I haven't even shaken his hand before. Why would I let that throw me off? 
But he says, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, period. So if I'm going to be going God's ways, when I stay with God's ways, I should say it like this, I will always get God's results. Listen, God knows what it's like to be hurt. He lost Adam and Eve in the garden. And who knows how many days in that took. Genesis 1 and 2, it's perfect. Genesis 3, it's like everything hits the fan. (sighs) Then he lost a third of his angels. God knows what it means to be hurt. Jesus personally went through all of the hurt that you could possibly imagine. He came to his own, they didn't recognize him. Judas, he washed his feet, betrayed him. Jesus knows what he's talking about. Downstairs, if you guys could put 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. These are my last verses I want to read in the Amplified Classic Bible, please. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 in the Amplified Classic. If you have your Bibles or if you have your phone, if you would go there with me real quick, I want to read this as a confession for us today. Are we okay? Verse 4. And if you have your phone, you're, you're scrolling to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. And we see the word love multiple times in there, but we're going to substitute the word love for I. Because we know God is love, right? And therefore, I am a child of God, a child of love. So you and I, we actually have the love of God on the inside of us, right? Okay, that's not the right one there. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. It says this. Are you guys there? You're on your phones. It says, I endure long. Hold on. We need it on the screen. Because otherwise it's just going to get weird. So if you don't mind just waiting for one sec. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8 in the Amplified Classic. Por favor. That's please. I'm very cultured. Sune is making it less awkward for me. (laughs) There it is. Thank you so much downstairs. Well done. All right. They're underneath us. That's why I stomped. All right. Let's say it together. I endure long and impatient and kind. I never am envious nor boil over with jealousy. I am not boastful or vainglorious. I do not display myself haughtily. Whew. That's a lot of work. Verse 5. I am not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. I am not rude, unmannerly, and I do not act unbecomingly. I, or God's love in me, does not insist on my own rights or my own way. For I am not self-seeking. I am not touchy or fretful or resentful. I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. Verse 6. I do not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but I rejoice when the right and truth prevail. I bear up under anything and everything that comes. I am ever ready to believe the best of every person. We're going to read that one one more time. I am ever ready to believe the best of every person. My hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and I endure everything without weakening. 
I never fail, never fade out, or become obsolete, or come to an end. So what's a good place to start is I'm going to keep speaking these things. This is who I am. This is not what one day I will attain to be. This is who I am. I am slow. I don't get touchy or fretful. I'm not resentful. I take no account of evil done to me. Now we may be all different levels in those, in those things that we just read out. But as we allow the love of God to love us, that love just continues to grow. And all of a sudden you'll be finding on the inside, my capacity is growing for difficult people. People that may have rubbed me one way and oh man, it really, that frustrated me. Now, I'm undefendable. I almost am, I'm like putting this seal, this coated seal over my spirit so that I cannot live an offended lifestyle. It's not worth it. Say with me, it's not worth it. I, I, I can't, I won't. God's got too big of things. God's got too many people that he needs reached. But man, could you imagine God's calling? He going, I can't reach because they're in, they're in the snare. They're trapped. I can't get them out. I don't want to be that individual. Are we good? All right, Father, we thank you so much for your word that it gives truth and life to us right where we need it. So Father, right now, we just thank you so much for that. Lord, what we saw in your word and as we come to your uh, throne room of grace today, Father, that you continue to lift the lid and set us free for all that you've called us to be free for. In Jesus' mighty name. Did you have anything on your heart? You're just coming to pray? You're closing. No, I did have something on my heart, actually. Is Often um, with offense, it can be something that was done to you, but there are times when it can also be something that you would have expected someone to do and they didn't do. And sometimes that can be when you're um, looking back on, you know, how your parents raised you or something and you can get offended of like, well, they didn't do this. Um, and I just wanted to encourage you, it, like you already said, but it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And so often we can be believing God for something and we're looking for breakthrough, like how Pastor Joel is talking in his own life, saying like, Lord, I'm just, it just feels like there's some blockage here. Don't ignore that. You may be looking for a breakthrough in a certain area. Maybe it's even oftentimes, actually, it's your health. You're looking for something in your physical body and there's some ailments that are manifesting and you're like, what is going on here? Often it's been a heart issue that is coming out physically. And so if you kind of feel that like, oh, maybe I should follow this out, I encourage you, don't ignore it. Don't push it aside. Because when there's something going on in our hearts, it's going to come out somewhere, either in our mental health or in our attitudes, our emotions or our physical well-being. So many things people think they're believing for healing. No, God just needs you to forgive someone. Sometimes there's just something going on in our own hearts. So I think I'd like to pray over that this morning, if you don't mind, just because I know that's something that we all deal with. Why do you think we're supposed to protect our hearts? Because all the issues of life flow out of that. So do you mind, do you mind standing? Just going to pray over our hearts. Father God, we just come before you again with our hearts open to you, Lord. And we just ask for your help, Holy Spirit. Maybe areas that we've covered up or not laid bare before you and we don't even know that we're offended or in anger or bitterness towards someone. Lord, help us see that. Gently put your finger on our heart and gently lead us in the process of how to forgive. 
Lord, we just ask that as we go from here and, and keep an open heart, that you would direct us and guide us. And if there are areas that need to be dealt with, we just ask for that help. If you can just say this with me. Say, I forgive those who have hurt me. I say, bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. They didn't mean it. So I release them now. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the, the era we live in, it's, it's so often our perception of, of what someone did, right? It's, it's not even that they, they did hurt you. It's that you perceive those words. And when we're living in, in a in a fragile state of we're always feeling insecure or we're feeling hurt. It's so easy. You could leave from right here right now and someone says, oh, well, you were taking up two spots today. And immediately you're like, oh, 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 I can't believe they said that. If we deal with our hearts, it's it's so much easier, like you said, a, a sealant over our hearts to not be offended. So I love that this is who we are as a church. I thank you so much for joining us today.